One of the things that's begun to emerge over these last few weeks, I hope you're beginning to get it, is that community is not just about us. We are a people with a purpose. God calls us into community so that we might do well and might get healed up and be transformed, but God calls us for a purpose, and the purpose is for the world. The purpose is that we might make Christ known. The purpose is that we might break out of our four walls and across our comfort zones and actually begin to share this love of Christ, this excitement, this dynamic transforming power with others. And the thing I really want you to know is that although this sounds like it's all up to us, it's actually God is already at work and he's just waiting for us to join him outside. So I don't know about you, but it takes quite a lot to cause me to break out into a run. It takes even more to cause my wife to break out into a run. But, uh, but actually, I just think, just say to him, but what, what, when was the last time you broke into a run? Just turn into your neighbor. When was, what was the last time that you actually broke out into a dignified trot? <laughs> okay. Well, it's making you smile. Did you look ridiculous? I think probably one of the most desperate times Phyllis and myself ever had was that we were going to Dublin to do a teaching series. Actually, curiously enough, it was that series I, I, I touched on, a, on spiritual gifts last week, and we were going to Dublin to, t- to teach spiritual gifts, and we were flying from Stansted. It's not an airport I know particularly well, and we, we uh, checked in and everything, and then went for a coffee. Big mistake, because actually there are other terminals, and you have to get on a train to go to the other terminal, you know? And so anyway, it said boarding flight won't, whatever it was, to, to Dublin. And so Fliss and I decided that we sort of ambled over, thinking we were in great, in good time. Suddenly we realized we got on a train journey and all sorts of rest of it. By the end of it, we're running along like this in a totally undignified manner. And we come into the concourse and there's nobody there except two sort of harassed-looking air stewardesses who are like this, you know. And they're mentioning, they're talking about us on the tannoy now, you know. And we know we're in trouble, and they're going, come on, come on, come on. And we're coming as fast as we can. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going, you know. And we go, we burst through this thing, and we went down the wrong runway thing. <laughs> we ended up coming out into the, air, into the airport concourse, surrounded by sort of, you know, fuel machines and all the rest of it. We had to turn around, and there's the plane there. And I said, quick, come on, and we... Uh, run back up the thing, and the, the stewardess said, where did you go? <laughs> it's true, isn't it, darling? We got on the plane, tried to look dignified, and there was 162 passengers going, I don't think there's a seat on this plane. I think you're gonna have to sit in the toilet for the whole trip. <laughs> what breaks you out into a sense of, into a run? You see, the thing is that Actually, as we read the New Testament, and I've been really struck by this, and I think it's the Lord, there really is a sense of urgency. You know, we've been around for 2,000 years. That's the Church of Jesus Christ. I know I look old, but not that old. We've been around for 2,000 years, but, and when you've been around, and when you've been an institution, when you've been part of the fabric of society for so long, it's easy to think that actually this is a sedentary thing. 
But actually, as you begin to read the Gospels again and again and again, and I've been doing that a lot recently, I've begun to get struck by the incredible sense of urgency. In fact, it even cropped up when we were teaching two two or three weeks ago about Jesus laying hands on the disciples and and sending them out two by two. Let's just remind ourselves. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 3 says this. When Jesus had called the twelve together... He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Really what he's conveying there is there's no time to pack. Just go. Just go. An incredible sense of urgency. And when, as we saw, and if you want to listen to this sermon again, I think it's three weeks ago, when he lays hands and sends out the 72 to do the same, it's the same deal. Just, just, look, don't argue amongst yourselves. It doesn't matter who goes with who. Just go. Just go. An incredible sense of urgency. One of the things that the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem at a particular point in his ministry. Even though he knew he would be betrayed, he, he would be... Um, he would be tortured, he would be nailed to a cross, and he told the disciples this was going to be happening, but he had this incredible sense of urgency to go. And the disciples said, and what's the hurry? You're going to die, why rush? You know, smell the, smell the roses, let's take our time, there's no great hurry. But it says in the scriptures that Jesus set his face like flint in the old version. He set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. He was immovable. He was hard. He was, it gripped his jaw. There was this incredible sense of drive and urgency. Today, I want to ask the question, what's holding us back? You know, we, we've just had a wonderful worship time and enjoyed the presence of God. And many of you have indicated that you actually felt the living God touch you. There's a few stories there. They'll come out in the next week or two. But you, you know that. You know what God has done for you, and we've got people of all sorts of ethnicity here, we've got people of all sorts of, uh, of social status, we've got, we've got people who have, uh, are flying high at the moment, we've got those who are really bumping along, making, trying to make things happen. We've got all sorts of people in this church, and we've tasted and we've seen that God is good. We know that what we have will bless the world. So what's, what's the problem? Well, I, I think if I'm honest, I don't know about you, High levels of fear and embarrassment. High levels of fear and embarrassment. I, I, I said to, to uh, you, I think last week or the week before, that I've just joined this uh, classic car club. And I, I have honestly had this conversation, which is yet to be resolved, I might add. Do I tell them that I'm a, a vicar? Or do I, do I keep quiet about it? Now, that, that's the only reason I'm having that conversation is my personal insecurity. My personal fear and embarrassment. You know, I don't want to put my head up over the parapet. And, you know, I've been in situations and then they, 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 it, people always kick into the same old deal with me. Oh, the vicar's here, what's your language? Or, and there's endless vicar jokes, you know? It's <laughs> terribly tedious and it brings out the worst in me. I find myself drinking, if I was smoking, I'd probably smoke, but I don't smoke. Drinking, smoking, and swearing more than anybody. <laughs> Just to prove something. And I come home and I feel rubbish about myself. Anybody else ever find that kind of thing? Yeah, one or two of you, and you're not even flipping vicars. <laughs> what are you like? 
Now, let's be honest, we laugh because it's true, isn't it? We can be a great Christian here, but it's about being out there, and if community is about taking this wonderful thing out into this, we've got to find a way of doing it. Well, I have found, I've known of it, but I've just been struck. You know, God breathes on his word. It's all God-breathed, but there are times when, when God seems to highlight something. He gets that highlighter thing and Mark something in the Bible, and I just want to share that with you because I think it's absolutely what God wants to say to us today, here in this place, about how he loves us and how he's still sending us. So let's look at John chapter uh, 20, verses 19 to 22. And it says this. On the evening of that first, I think, yeah, good. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. The disciples were together. This whole series has been about being together. You know, one of the tardiest old illustrations, but it's a good one, is that Christians do not do well when they are apart, when they don't show up. When you, don't, when you, when you get out of the habit of coming to church or going to home group or whatever it is, you don't do as well. And the illustration is this of the old coal fires where a coal would fall out of the fire onto the hearth and very quickly, that coal would cease to glow red. Of course, very few of us have coal fires these days. But you, you know the imagery. You know, you can bank up a, a fire and get it going, but then suddenly a, something falls out onto the hearth. It's safe, but it falls out, and it begins to glow. It, it ceases to glow red. It's the same thing with Christians. We keep each other warm. We keep each other on fire. We keep each other focused on the, on the task in hand, loving one another, loving God, and loving the community. And, and when we're separate from that, doesn't matter how good our intentions or how strong we think we are, we don't do so well. We really don't. And the disciples here, they're not just together, and this is so interesting, and is it after all that they've seen, and some of you have seen God do wonderful things. Your testimonies, you know, I, I love the stories I hear from you guys. You know, Phyllis and I went round to James and Catherine Barron just for, for dinner during the week. James and Catherine lead the life group in, in Hamel, which we're calling a church planting project, and it is going to become a, a full-blown church plant in the not-too-distant future. And we just, just shared time with one another. And the little stories that come out, I think, wow, that's amazing. And you've all got little stories like this, and some of them are big stories. In fact, I'm going to invite one person up to share a story in just a moment before I do that. Let me just sort of say one or two other little things by way of, of testimony. And, and that's that the people were to, the, the disciples were together. We do better when we are together doing community, but they were behind locked doors. I don't know about you, but did you see that news report this week about that uh, dear man who has locked in syndrome? I've forgotten his name. And he had a massive stroke a few years ago and uh, is completely disabled. 
and uh, he can move his eyes, and that's about all. And they've devised ways of him communicating through his eyes. He looks to sort of alphabetic letters and makes construct sentences. And he was going to the high court to get a to get a review, so that they could review whether or not, when the time seemed right, he could ask to be assisted in his own death. Now, whatever you may think about that, and we're not talking about that, I'm just looking at that gentleman. Because what struck me about that story was his wife, was, his wife read a statement that he had prepared by looking at all these letters. If you saw it at all, you know what I mean. He looked completely disabled. The wife read, read this statement, it was elegant, it was articulate, it was intelligent. It, it, it was so what I was not expecting. This guy was clearly very, very bright. Argued his case persuasively, got the, got the review. And yet to look at him, you wouldn't know that anything was going on. This locked-in syndrome is where the brain is fully functioning, but the body isn't. I felt like the church is a bit like that. People drive past churches, even the people on this estate around here, they still don't know what this place is. We've invited them in, we've even got people who work in these things but they don't know what's inside. It just, it's, if it's a body, it's an incomprehensible body doing incomprehensible things. But when people come in here, they say, wow. When people come in here, they talk about the welcome they receive. That's, that's you guys. It's not possible for, for me to run around and welcome everybody. In fact, a dear couple came up to me and said, we've been coming for about 16 years. We thought we'd come and say hello, you know. Well, it's not that bad a few months, you know. Even so, you said the welcome that people register and, uh, and, and talk about is what you are giving them. And then they come in here and they, 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 often they're, they're disarmed by the worship time. They find themselves weeping and sometimes they leave because they're just not used to weeping. They don't do crying. But you know, I've heard people say to me, I, I, don't know why, I don't know why it is, but every time the worship thing starts, I start crying. And, and, and of course, it's the Spirit of God moving upon them. And then they listen to the word, and they say, well, that's interesting. But, but you know what I mean? Once they, as they experience what's going on inside church, and not just this church, they're actually intrigued. And then the trump card is Jesus. Because Jesus is at work in the midst of us. Jesus himself is wooing, is evangelizing, is reaching out. We're all doing our thing, doing our best in his name, seeking to serve and help him, but Jesus himself in the midst of a body is a compelling. But it's like locked in syndrome, just like these disciples, locked in the room for fear. We're locked in. So much good stuff happening inside, but nobody would know. Well, not until now. And Jesus comes into the midst of us, and he has something to say to us in the midst of our locked-in situation. You know, reasons why we don't do, reason why we, we can't share or break out, you know, we, we, we feel that we, you know, we, we've got to get to know people properly before, before we can share with them. You know, there's a, a stream of evangelism, and to some degree, I, I understand it. I'm, trying to, I'm always trying to build relationship with my neighbors. And as you know, I've got to pray with them and all sorts of things, and that's a good thing. But we mustn't think we can't speak to anyone about Jesus just because we don't know them yet. I'm so grateful to have Nina come and join me here. She, she had a random encounter this week, and I, I just wanted her to share that very briefly. Just give Nina a little clap here. 
Hang on, Nina. Can you use that microphone? Do you mind? This is, I thought this was on. It's not. Great. So, okay. So, uh, are you going to read it? That's wonderful. Thank you. I'm going to read it because we haven't got It's on. It is on. It is on. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just going to read it out. I had an appointment in Welling last week and knew that I would have to wait around, so I prayed and asked the Lord to give me an opportunity to witness to him whilst I was waiting, um, having coffee. I felt prompted to go to a particular coffee shop and sat down next to a lady reading a book. I'd nearly finished my coffee when I turned to her and just started uh, chatting. She said that she often came to sit and have her conversation with him upstairs. So I thought, oh, this woman knows you, God. I don't know what you want me to do here. But as we continued talking, I realized that she believed in Jesus, but didn't realize that he was the only way to salvation, that he had carried all her sorrow and pain, and that by the cross and resurrection, she could now also have this freedom. Her life story was full of pain, so she was amazed that Jesus could do all this, carry all this. I was able to tell her about the fall and how Jesus came to redeem everything by dying on the cross. She was amazed, and I was amazed, as I thought she knew God from my initial conversation. I asked her if she went to church and recommended a local one that I knew she could go to if she wanted to. That is a wonderful story. So just to, thank you. Isn't that great? So just to get the facts in my mind, you had a little time and you said, God, I want to use this. Uh, help me to meet someone. You went to this coffee bar and there's this lady and you sat for quite a while just not really having any com- conversation or anything. Yeah, I took my Bible with me, mm-hmm. my uh, daily Bible, because I was behind in my reading. Okay, <laughs> I thought I might well catch up with that. Good. Um, and, uh, but I knew the only seat that was free in the coffee shop was next to this right. lady. I wanted to sit by the window. There wasn't a seat, and I looked around. And I was just asking God for prompting, and that's And then this conversation begins, where it begins with her sounding like she's a sister. But totally. actually, you realize that she wasn't, and you were able to share what sounds to me like quite a lot of really meaty things. Yeah, um, it surprised me as well. It just all came out. But um, It all came out? Yeah. So you didn't know you knew that maybe, but it all came out? It all came out. Scriptures just came to mind. And every time she was speaking an awful lot about... Um, you know, the pain in her life. And I was very mindful that she needed to be listened to a lot. Mm. And, um, you know, when she said that she, she talked to him upstairs, I said, so do you have a faith then? You know, because yeah. I wanted to know, is that what she meant? And yeah. she said, yes. And I said, is it, you know, is it God the Father? Do you believe in God the Father? And she went, yes. I said, do you believe in God the Son? Uh-huh. <laughs> Just very gently, but I did say that. And I said, yeah. do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? Because I wanted to make sure she was where she was at to gauge that. And she goes, yes, I'm not... She mentioned a few denominations. I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not that. You know, mm. Totally, you know, all of this. And then she said that she'd read um, uh, a book that changed her life. And I was listening to her. And um, because of her story, I was aware that I felt really God wanted to clean up some things in her life. And when she was talking about this book, I said to her, well, um, w- what was the book? Because I was mm. interested in yeah. obviously what she was. And she yeah. goes, oh, the Bible. So I flicked my page over and said, <laughs> you mean this book? And she went, yes. And, um, but then she said to me, but there's a few things that don't make sense. And I go, oh, like what? You know, and that's how and it that's came. And that's how the conversation, and, yeah. and now how did it end? I mean, did you spend the rest of the day there or what happened? No, um, basically, um, I was constantly asking the Lord, should I pray for this woman or not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And her, um, her life story entailed a few things where I knew she was very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned that we were in a coffee shop and mm-hmm. she didn't need to be exposed. No. But I thinking. knew a very good church that deals with certain areas that she could actually benefit mm. from. Sure. And it's local. Yeah. And so I told her that uh-huh. and um, left it at that because I felt 
I wasn't sure if I was right about that decision not to pray sure. with her. And right. I have thought, had thoughts sure. uh, about that since. But you, ref- you gave her a next step. You referred her. Yeah. And she was excited and amazed she by was, some of the... Um, by the time I looked at her again, she, her eyes were popping out and her wow, mouth was open. <laughs> Mina, give, give her a... <laughs> God bless you. Thank you so much. Lovely story, absolutely on the money. God gift to a preacher during, during this week. You see, the point I really want you to hear is that she made us, Nina made herself available, but God was already at work. It's not all down to us. Now, I, some of you I know are thinking already, well, I don't know anybody to ask for the guest services, but I, I want to just stop you there. I, I want to say to you, ask God for the opportunity to invite somebody to the, the guest services. Ask God for that opportunity, because he is at work at people at the, with people at the moment. And when you come along and you open your mouth and you take courage and invite them, they will say, do you know what? I was thinking I might come along, but what time is it? And then you can, you can work with that, because God is already at work out there. This isn't a great big guilt trip, because let's get back to the text, The disciples are together, they're locked in because of their fear, and then suddenly, in their midst, Jesus is there and he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Suddenly, Jesus is there and he says, peace be with you. That's what Jesus says to you and I now. As a community, we need, to, we need to overcome our fears. One of the things we're saying at the moment, little catchphrases that come up for a little season because they seem to summarize, we're saying, when we're desperate enough to overcome our embarrassment, we'll see renewal, we'll see healings. Many of you are beginning to pray with people out there, and it's lovely to see what God is doing inside this church. We're looking out. We're finally beginning to embrace the opportunities that God gives us. The other thing, though, is when our sense of urgency, and there's an extraordinary sense of urgency in all this, when our sense of urgency overcomes our embarrassment, we will see revival. Not just the odd healing here and there, but when we begin to run for that plane, as it were, in the spirit, when we begin to sort of start crying out to God as if our lives depended upon it, when we begin to you know, take you know, a deep breath and step over our embarrassment to be, to be available, as Nina was, to share God's love with people and to speak of him, to speak of Jesus, extraordinary things will happen. Now, it has been said that Michael Green, he's a, a, an Anglican canon, he wrote a book on evangelism, become a bit of a textbook, not the only one. He said, wrote a book called I Believe in Evangelism. He says that, you know, living, let me get this right, I'll quote this, excuse me. Right, witness by life alone is absolutely indispensable. What he means by that is we have to be Christians. We have to model being Christians. We need to live our lives as Christians. It is absolutely indispensable. He then goes on to say, though, witness by life alone is absolutely inadequate. You cannot just live a Christian life and think that your neighbors are kind of flocking into church. At some point or another, you've got to name the name of Jesus. And it's not just talking about God. There is something about the name of Jesus. That was so wise. Wisdom from heaven. And remember that the Lord has said that when you are, you know, God will give you the words to say. It's not just about do you believe in God. It's do you know Jesus? Or what do you think about Jesus? 
what have you heard about Jesus, whatever the words are, Jesus is absolutely key. And it's as if it's, 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 the, final, it's the final number in the combination lock. When you begin to talk about Jesus, suddenly extraordinary things begin to happen. Sometimes you get a reaction, but most times you get fascination because people are intrigued by God. They're intrigued by people who are passionate about anything. And if you're passionate about Jesus, there will be an extraordinary outpouring of God's spirit in, in this community. So Jesus stands among us, and then he says, peace be with you. And he goes on to say, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. How did the Father send Jesus? He sent Jesus on a divine rescue mission. Look, leave it all behind, son, just get going. Lee and Jesus left glory, left his omnis- omniscience, he, he, he emptied himself, he confined himself to, a hum- to, to human flesh because of the urgency, the priority of this gospel. He was ready to do whatever it took, pay whatever price. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I send you. And thirdly, there was this extraordinary sense of urgency. I'm praying that God will break into our locked room and give us a sense of urgency. And then he did something rather wonderful. Scripture says he breathed on them. He breathed on them. Now this event, John tells us, is on the evening of the resurrection. Actually does it again a bit later on. In fact, there's a number of resurrection stories. But this event takes place on the evening of the first day. And John, in his gospel, has this wonderful overview sense of what was happening in the new creation being putting the wrongs to right in terms of the first creation. He, in those opening opening verses of chapter 1, where he talks about the creation of God, a passage we often read at Christmas, he makes reference to the creation. And as you will know, if you've read your Bible a little bit, if you didn't, I'll tell you now, in the first chapter of Genesis, when we read about the creation, it suddenly says, and God put breath in man. The first creation. God breathed on man. Now we all know it went a bit wrong. But here, on the first day, the first day of his resurrection, Jesus meets with his disciples and he breathes on them again. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. New creation. It's a deliberate reference to creation and new creation. Creation, new creation. We are a new creation. You and I have God's presence dwelling within us. The temple was in Jerusalem, now the temple is here. It is in you or wherever Christians are. There is the temple of God. Paul says to the church in Corinth, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? God's breath is in you. But it's not stale, it's not like some attic room. Jesus wants to come in and throw the windows open, rip the curtains back, open all the doors, let the sunlight stream in. That's what he wants to do with the church, that's what he wants to do with you. He wants to breathe on you. 
And again, he says, peace be with you. What was their response? They were overjoyed. Joy is the emotion of the kingdom. They were overjoyed. Now, in just a minute, we're going to have the the worship team come up, and I I just feel that this is such an important message that I'm going to give some of you, or however many of you, an opportunity to come down here, and you may, there may be two or three, there may be 23. I do not know, I do not care, but I want to have the opportunity for some of you for whom this message is, is actually clicking. I want you to have the opportunity of marking today as a day when you responded in a visible and public way. As a community, I want to say, Lord, we've been locked in. Now I understand that you want to throw the windows open and let the sunlight in. And whatever the barricades are that we've set up as a church, Lord, sidestep them. We may have Yale five leave mortar things on the saying, do not come in here, this is our space. And Jesus just pops up in the middle. <gasps> and says, peace be with you. Equally, I am aware that this might have particular significance for individuals here. The message really isn't directed at individuals, but I do realize that as I'm speaking, some of you may be thinking, well, I'm locked in by fear, but it's not fear of evangelism. It's fear of this and fear of that, personal phobias and fears. You may be feeling locked in in your life, and I want to say to you, peace be with you. Jesus pops up inside all of your carefully constructed defense mechanisms and says, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I send you. He breathes on you. He breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So if you have a personal, a personal sense of, of needing God to step behind the barricades and set you free and breathe on you, well then, when the worship team come up, I'll give you an opportunity to come forward and we'll have the ministry team pray for you. But I really, really, really hope that some of you that come forward will just have that sense as, as representatives of life groups or as, as representatives of this church or as individuals who are wanting to share your faith just like dear Nina did, that you will come forward, not because of your own need of God, which is valid, but because you want to serve him and make Christ known. And you just need a little help to get over your fear and your embarrassment like me. So, Jesus says, peace be with you, breathes on you, and says receive the Holy Spirit. Let's all stand, we'll have Joe and the team come back up for our last song.